Hello and welcome to Broken Vessels Mended by God. My name is Ruth Douthit and I'm a teacher of God's Word and I started this podcast to share some insights I've gleaned from studying certain passages of Scripture. And in this series we've been looking at Psalm 23. So welcome to our final lesson, Lesson 7, in the Psalm 23 Bible Study. The Merciful In this final lesson, we will look at the Lord's mercy toward His people, His flock, and how our participation in His presence is the ultimate gift He gave us. Psalm 23, verse 6 Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have looked at God as our shepherd, our good shepherd, in these past lessons. We have just seen how he provides for his flock, he protects his flock, and he dwells with his flock as an example of what shepherds of his people should be and do. We have looked at Ezekiel 34 as well. In Ezekiel 34, 22-24, we are told that God himself would rescue his flock and set up over them a shepherd who would feed them, a shepherd like King David. God told us in Ezekiel 34 that it is he who shall save us and judge us according to his perfect righteousness. We are no longer prey subject to destruction by the beasts of the field because of lazy, irresponsible, selfish shepherds. No, he took care of that for us. And he appointed David over his people as their earthly shepherd, who was a foreshadowing of the Messiah to come. But David, because he was human, did fail because he was just a man after all. And that is why we do not pray in the name of David. The Messiah will be from the lineage of King David. So, in scriptures we learn how God himself condescended toward man by walking the earth to leave us with an example to follow. We are not alone in this world. He gave us an example of perfect submission and obedience of what it looks like to live in the will of God the Father, Christ Jesus. He conquered death once and for all that we, his flock, might live with him forever. And King David knew of this peace, and he sang of it and wrote of it long ago. In Psalm 100, he tells his people, Come into God's presence with singing. And in Psalm 101, He said to sing and make music. King David had great joy knowing God the Father. Be merciful. Seeking God's mercy and goodness should be the goal of every Christian walking the earth today. But we should also long for the day when we shall be in his presence forever. In John chapter 14, Jesus said that we will be with him, and he and God will make our home with him. And that reminds us of Ezekiel 34, that God would give us showers of blessings, and that his people would dwell securely in the land, because he was going to be the shepherd. 
And remember the covenant, the three P's of the covenant? Provision, protection, and presence. God blesses us with his presence. That will be our final destination with him. We will dwell with him in the land forever. Showers of blessing. Can you just smell the clean rain that will fall all around us? That fresh, clean smell that comes with the clean rain will surround us, except there will be showers of blessings all around us. In Psalm 145, we're told God gives and is gracious and merciful. And in Romans 2, we find out that the reason for God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. His supreme goodness and kindness were shown when he forgave us sinners while we were still in sin, still in rebellion against him. Remember what we learned in our last lesson. We were his enemies, yet he forgave us. As we learned in Psalm 5, that while we were still enemies of God, he saved us. And in Romans 8, we were told he did not spare his own son, so that way we would be saved and there would be no condemnation for us, no separation from God anymore. And in Ephesians 2, Paul wrote to the early church, you were dead in the passions of your flesh, dead in sins. You were called children of wrath. But God, in his mercy, made us alive again and has seated us with him forever. And it is by grace you have been saved. That's that picture of Mephibosheth, remember? We are now made alive. We are no longer the enemies of the king. We are made alive and seated at the table with him. So many times I hear Christians condemning the unbeliever, even spewing hateful things at them, forgetting who they are, forgetting that none of us were born Christians. We were all born enemies of God. If we have forgiveness, if we have been transformed, it is not because of anything we did, no. If we are forgiven and transformed, it is only because of what Christ did on the cross. So picture us as all Mephibosheth first, enemies of God, destitute, lost without him, deserving of death and humiliation before him, remember, as the enemy brought in and bound, seated in the corner to suffer humiliation at the victory feast. That was us. And remember in Titus 3, we're told, when the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior appeared, he saved us, not by any works that we would boast, but no, by Jesus. So we tend to forget that we are not here to judge the world. How can we judge when the only reason God even hears us or sees us is because of the perfect works of Jesus Christ? Once I remember this, it makes it pretty hard to judge a non-believer. It makes it pretty hard to judge someone whose eyes are blinded. I mean, would you walk up to a blind person and condemn them for not being able to describe an apple? No, you would never condemn someone born blind. Of course not. Instead, you would have compassion on them as Jesus did the multitudes that came to him for healing. And of anyone on earth who was in the position to judge, it was Jesus. 
But instead, in Matthew 9, we are told, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus didn't say he was praying for God to send out people to judge those coming toward him. No, he had compassion on them. He was asking for laborers of the harvest to be sent out to bring them to God. Like sheep without a shepherd, that's how you and I were. So how can we condemn the lost who are without a shepherd? People, like King David, will let us down. King David betrayed and murdered others, and we will fail those around us. People lie and cheat and steal and kill. We would be foolish to put our trust and hope and faith in an imperfect shepherd when we have the perfect good shepherd. Our shepherd is faithful to the end. He is blameless and pure. He was tempted but did not sin, and his promises endure forever. In Hebrews 4, we're told, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in Lamentations 3, we're told that the compassionate love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies endure forever. And in Psalm 36, we see your steadfast love, God, the steadfast love of the Lord extends to the heavens. Just think of the despair of the disciples when they watched Jesus die. He was their rabbi. They lived and traveled with him for three years. They left behind family, their livelihood, just to follow their rabbi. To be a disciple meant to take care of the rabbi, to find shelter for him and dwelling and food. They loved Jesus and sat at his feet as he taught. They watched him heal thousands, even rising Lazarus from the dead. And even though he had told them that he would die and rise again, they had forgotten about all that when they saw him beaten and whipped and hanged on a cross. All their hopes went with him into that tomb. But then, they saw him again, the risen Christ, just as he said he would come. And now we have that hope. His faithfulness endures forever. King David knew he would dwell with the Lord forever. That was his hope, and it should be our hope as well. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As our time in Psalm 23 comes to an end, we have learned so much about the Good Shepherd. We have that Good Shepherd who puts all earthly shepherds to shame, doesn't he? We learned in Scripture that the shepherd had special meaning to God. They were the lowest of the low. But yet he appeared to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus. He could have appeared to King Herod, to the Jewish leaders, to the Caesar of Rome. But no, he appeared to the shepherds watching their sheep by night. David was the king the shepherd king, and he had a heart just like God's. We know that Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd, connecting himself to Ezekiel 34 and Psalm 23. The shepherd means something to the Lord. We have the Good Shepherd. On him alone should we rely. He is perfection. But our earthly shepherds need our prayers, don't they? We have husbands who are our shepherds and pastors and fathers. We should lift them up to the Lord daily, not because we hope they won't fail us, but that when they do fail us, we will still love and support them in that failure because we know they are just human. So pray for your shepherd, whether it's your husband or your pastor or your father that he might be strong and courageous in times of battle to fight off the enemy for you, but also that he would be responsible for his flock and feed them and protect them and provide for them and bless them with his presence. One day we will see our Good Shepherd as he is, and we shall be like him. What a glorious day that will be when all striving ceases and that covenant of peace will be complete. I thank you for joining me on this brief journey through Psalm 23 and Ezekiel 34, as well as John chapter 10, where we see God as our Good Shepherd, our Jehovah Ra'ah. I pray you have been encouraged through the reading of God's Word. Take it with you and share what you have learned about Psalm 23 with other believers who may not know that they have a Holy Shepherd who loves them, protects them watches over them and longs to dwell with them in peace. Tell them about Ezekiel 34 and how it connects to John chapter 10. Today's people need to know this. Let the redeemed say so. Write down what you've learned about God from this study. What attributes about God were affirmed? And how can you apply what you've learned to your walk with Jesus Christ? And until our next study, God bless.